Hey there, Warriors and KCSS listeners. This is your girl, Chanel, the host of the Mod Rock Jam podcast. Thank you so much for your patience. Waiting for me to drop a new podcast episode with a fresh new interview. This time around, I have frontman Robbie Gray of Modern English. Now, you may be too young to know who Modern English is. Well, they've been a band for 40 plus years, and I'm sure you've heard their hit single, I Melt With You, either through Stranger Things or Valley Girl, an 80s movie, or countless commercials. There's definitely a time where you've heard that song. I spoke with Robbie Gray over the phone while he was in Washington. The band Modern English are on tour, so please be sure to check out their socials and site to find where you could see them live. Robbie and I discussed about their early days of touring, current artists revisiting the 80s influences, Modern English's influential band Sex Pistols, and their biopic drama series. Robbie favorite love songs and more please enjoy this interview here on 91.9 kcss i did see that you'll be playing the after the snow in its entirety yeah playing smashing lace album and early singles tracks from the take me to trees album which was 2017 but right in the middle of all that we're going to play after the snow from the start to the finish. After the snow and of course, you know, the rest of the albums, they came later in the 80s. What do you recall from the early times when you went touring? Craziness, really. I think one time we did 80 concerts in 100 days on one of those, you know, in America. So, I mean, that's a lot of work. We'd go around the country and then start again. <laughs> we did like 80 gigs in 100 days. That's, that's hard work. Right, and it was like no break at all. Now, I know that I'm really excited for your upcoming show in San Francisco, Tuesday, June 14th at the Chapel. And whenever you have free time, Robbie, I think you and the lads, you have to check out their restaurant, Curio, because it's like a restaurant conjoined with a music venue. And they have great cocktail drinks. They're all named after mythical creatures. Well, fantastic. I'm always up for a drink. I think they'll probably feed us at the venue as well, so we'll probably end up down in that bar. Perfect. But yeah, my favorite drink over there is the Mermaid. And a little known fact, the Chapel music venue, before it became, I would say, a historic music venue, it used to be a mortuary. So, city, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I hope I didn't spoil that for you. More interesting. Yeah. More interesting. <laughs> Out of curiosity, do you have any stories about visiting haunted places or any encounters of the supernatural? I don't know about that. I don't think so. No, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. No kind of horror encounters that I can think of, I'm afraid. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. Well, maybe after you play the chapel, you, you may have a story afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I had one story to tell after I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a beautiful venue, and I've seen... The church there, Big Country, Peter Murphy of Bauhaus had a residency over there, and I think the zombies will be playing there this fall. Yeah, I've, I've, we've heard a lot of good things. Well, we love coming to San Francisco. We've been coming there now for over 30 years. We've always had a good time in San Francisco, good crowds. And I think this, this show is nearly sold out as well. So. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait to actually be there. And I think the last time you came in San Francisco was fall 2019 with the alarm. Is that correct? Yeah, we played. We did a couple of retro Futura tours, I think they were called, with bands like The Alarm. And I think we did another one with Belinda Carlisle and ABC. 
Um, you know, they're quite good fun because you get a lot of bands together and you play bigger venues. It's quite good fun. Yeah, I think I saw on your social media page Belinda Carlisle like joining in on stage with you guys. Yeah, we became quite friendly with her actually because she was living in Bangkok in Thailand and I had a house in Thailand as well. So we kind of were talking about that kind of stuff and recently did a cruise and she was playing on the cruise as well. So we've sent quite a lot of her over the last few years. I'm going to have to check out Thailand because I had no idea that she was living there at the time when you were living there. Like, I mean, obviously the culture is completely different, but like how's the music scene and like, are there any good like venues uh, to check out or record stores uh, even in Thailand? Not really. It's, they're more interested in sort of traditional rock like the Eagles and things like that. They make themselves very sort of traditional you know, American rock music, really. That's, if the guitarist picks up a guitar, that's what he's going to play. There's not a big alternative scene there, but only in Bangkok, where they've got, you know, everything, really. <laughs> I always think of that uh, that one song, uh, One Night in Bangkok. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a great city. I mean, we don't live in the city. We've got a house on an island. But when you do go to Bangkok, to the city, it's great food. Great clubs, great bars, it's got everything. Alright, I'm looking forward to whenever the day I will travel over to Thailand. My friend has seen you live before in concert and she says that you put on like an amazing show. So this will be my first modern English show. So what can I expect in San Francisco? There'll be plenty of energy, that's for sure. I mean, with the two years of COVID has, you know, knocked us back a lot over the last couple of years. We haven't played much live. So we haven't really managed to play many concerts. So we'll be looking forward to playing live. And we can have some films uh, behind us on stage, which will make it really atmospheric. And it's the first time we've ever played the whole of our snow live on this tour. So, you know, we've never really played songs like Carry Me Down and you know, face of wood. We've only played them a couple of times. So it's going to be good fun for us as well as we playing the whole album. Now, it's been like over two years since you guys toured because of obviously COVID. It's going to be a lot of energy, a lot of fun. Is there like some sort of like nervous energy or anxiety uh, when you're about to perform live again since it's been a while? I always, we, we always get a little bit, you know, it's good to get nervous, I think, before you go on stage. It means, you know, you're excited. I mean, we always have a bit of that anyway, so... No, not really because of COVID, because we really enjoy playing music, so it's, it's just going to be natural to us. But yeah, I mean, it's just nervous excitement that you like to have, really. It's not a problem. I was reading uh, Modern English's bio, and, you know, the same time you guys were forming, so was the likes of Joy Division, Simple Minds, Duran Duran, as well as Depeche Mode, and sadly, uh, we lost keyboardist Andy Fletcher. What made him so inspiring to you personally as well as to modern English. They come from the same county as we do in England. They come from Essex, which is a small state in England. So they're, they're actually very close to where we live. We came up at the same time. We played the same venues. They're really nice people. They're kind of the same as us. They're working class backgrounds. You know, they're normal guys they're not kind of changed too much you know they kept their sort of feet on the ground and, and i respect that a lot i don't know much about how the band interacted themselves but for me the most important part is that they stay together you know they, a lot of bands after a while you know will lose members for me it's the fact that we are very close as so they live just down the road i was watching or listening to an interview and mick said that he lived down the street from ed sheeran <laughs> yeah ed sheeran you know a neighbor <laughs> you know, it's different in England. Everyone looks at music differently. You know, it's not so 
heroic as Americans find, you know, people in music. At home, it's more kind of normal, really, just to, everyone makes music because of the weather, I think, you know, because everyone stays indoors to make music because it's bloody raining all the time. <laughs> well, I guess the next time I visit England, I'm going to have to, like, bring a raincoat. And again, I was watching and listening to an interview, and it's very true because our vision of the 80s in America, I mean, again, I'm not a person that grew up in the 80s, unfortunately. That's a decade I wish I did grow up in. I think America 80s was, like, neon and a bunch of shoulder pads and big hair and then over in england when it was during the cold war it was like a completely different vibe absolutely you got it you hit the nail completely on the head i mean we were you know it was very black and white when we first came to america it was like a color explosion so you know that, that that's what inspired people to kind of get on and do something for themselves which is what led to so much great music coming out of england i mean joy division from manchester us and Depeche Mode from Essex, you know, there's bands in London, I mean, the whole area was, was making music. Yeah, you know, there's something good when music comes out of a depressing time. It's really sad to say, but it's honestly true. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, I mean, it's just different cultures are different, aren't they? When I go to Thailand, the massive difference from England, you know, when we come to America. I mean, America's a beautiful country, it's so beautiful. There's so many different things to see here. It's a gorgeous place. Now, being in the band since the, the late 70s, 80s, I'm sure that you're noticing how 80s music is being very influential with current artists. Is that uplifting when you hear more modern acts revisiting that nostalgic era? I think it's something that's always happened. I mean, when I was a kid, 60s, and reminisce about, you know, my parents were back in the 60s and reminisce about that. And I was living in the 70s as a teenager. I mean, I think that kind of edgy music, music I'm thinking of, The Cure, Joy Division, you know, Wire, Gang of Four, um, you know, you, you could make that music yourself. You didn't have to be a brilliant musician to make that music. There's a lot of it's about texture and sound. So young kids, you know, want to make that because they know it's interesting, it's creative, and it's also not that hard to do it. You don't have to be a brilliant guitar player to play The Cure. You don't have to be an amazing singer to be enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? It's, you can just make that music. Anybody can do it. We're living in a very do-it-yourself indie times yeah. again. Yeah, there's good and bad about uh, the social media. I mean, it, there's a good thing that, you know, like it was in the indie culture when I grew up, you know, you got to make music and it was easy to go to record companies because everybody wanted to listen to that. Now you can do that over the internet. You can, everybody's like a little cottage industry, if you know what I mean. Everyone's making it themselves, doing their own social media. There's good and bad to that, I think. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm thinking about like your generation of punk is <laughs> so completely yeah. different from my generation of punk. Like now we're calling it emo punk and that's your Machine Gun Kelly and Avril Lavigne and Youngblood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think what the difference is, is that when the Pistols came out and the Ramones and bands like this, they actually meant what they were doing. They didn't have any money. The Pistols had nothing, nothing at all. They just, I think nowadays everyone's a lot more comfortable. Those bands aren't necessarily, you know, angry about anything really. They might be a bit depressed, but you know what I mean? They're comfortable, they can go and buy a cup of coffee, they can drive around in a car, whereas, you know, 
bands from the early times, they can have those kind of luxuries, really. Yeah, totally get what you mean. And when you were talking earlier about how it could be a, a good and bad thing with social media, doing everything on your own, I know that in modern English has gone through different labels over the years. What do you think record labels can do to be more of an ally for artists and encourage them to be their own persona? Because I think what we're seeing is more like a marketing trend where like, okay, you got to be this artist. Let's replicate you. That's all rubbish. You're never going to get any new music that's decent if you're going to ask an artist to be like some another artist that sold a few million you know, records or something. That's not creative enough. You know, you, if creativity's got to come from somewhere, it comes from the street really, generally doesn't come from a record company, you know, they just feed out the same bullshit all the time and hope that some of it works. But a, re a real artist, a real band, a real creative person doesn't care about that stuff, they just want to make their music, you know what I mean? And that's the only way you can approach it. We still approach it like that now. I mean, I melt with you, gave us the chance to have some money. Yeah. That's been, that, that's been fantastic. So we can do what we want musically. I mean, we're writing a new album now, we're going to be recording it later this year and it's still edgy it's still you know quite dark some of it so we just do what we want we don't have to listen to a record company but unfortunately some of the new artists do yeah probably because of contract obligations maybe they're just a little like uh, I don't want to say naive, but it's just like, oh, this record label gave me a chance and I don't want to be dropped. A current artist right now, Halsey, she tweeted something about how she wants to release new music that her record label won't unless it gets trendy on TikTok first. Yeah, well, there you go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. If, you, if you're going to involve all those elements, then you're going to find as a creative person, you know, obstacles in your way. Mm -hmm. I think at some point, you just got to say, fuck that stuff. And let's go and play some live concerts. Let's go and meet the, the people, you know, out there. I mean, that's, that's the way to do it. I know these days you can have a viral hit by being on TikTok or wherever else it is. But at the end of the day, what does that give you? What does it make? What does it really mean to anybody? It's just a thing that's there for a for half an hour, an hour, and then it's gone, you know? Yeah, I love how you said you're like, fuck that. Like, it's like, that's so punk. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm too old for, for that stuff, but I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it's good for young people. They can just have their I Melt With You and I Melt With You is a love song. What's your ultimate favorite love song? Oh, I like Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Mm -hmm. Boys Don't Cry by The Cure. I like a lot of that. You know, I like things that are a bit more on the dark side about love, but still quite positive. Um, those two songs I like a lot. I, I don't generally like love songs too much, but, um, you know, I don't do like those two. <laughs> so you talked about the Sex Pistols earlier. I know there are one of the influential bands. Have you seen the biopic miniseries? No, I'm not sure about that. The fact it's on Disney puts me off to start with. Um, it, I don't know. I mean, it was such an important decade for people like me, you know, that time in England. And I know that it's, it's being done, you know, really well. But I'm just not sure because John Lydon's really against it. Yeah, I was going to uh, say that. He was like, uh-uh, it's not accurate at all. You know, to for it being... Disney, you think Disney is very wholesome and like this shows 
absolutely not. It's the opposite. Yeah, but from what I'm hearing, is quite a cartoony sort of version of the pistols. Quite a you know graphic novel almost. Mm-hmm. You know, like lo- lots of color and you know I don't know what to say about that. I'm, I'm not sure. I probably will give it a look, but I'm a bit. For me, it was such an important time. I don't, I don't want to be pissed off watching it. You know. Yeah. Saying? And if you do, that's very punk as well. I know that Netflix, they're partnering up with YouTube because I think YouTube also wants to do a, a biopic series of themselves. So I'm curious, would you ever want Modern English to have a biopic? Well, a friend of mine wants to come on our next tour and do a kind of fly on the wall sort of tour kind of, you know, documentary sort of thing. And I'd be quite interested to do something like that where it's kind of, down to earth and a bit edgy and you know things are happening and there's lots of people you know lots of laughter and all that kind of rather than a biopic but um i've been asked to write my life story which is quite i don't think anyone would want to read it i'll read it (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i don't know about things like that i mean we're just a band we love playing we like writing music more than anything recording music and playing live that's the our main thing all the rest of it is business, really. And now I'm really interested in seeing a documentary on Modern English, so I'll be on the lookout for that. And Modern English, you guys have been around for 40-plus years. I would say as long as a marriage, but I don't think marriages last that long anymore. <laughs> <laughs> What's something that you continue to learn about your bandmates? It's really interesting, though, because we've all known each other since we were really teenagers in Colchester and Essex, you know. And we all moved up to London together to start the band. And I suppose what you learn is to be more um, accommodating of people, because yeah, everyone's older and a lot different. Everyone's got different lives completely, you know. As we've got older, we've all kind of branched out on our own. So you learn to, um, you know, accommodate people's emotions, how they're feeling about things from day to day. Um, you know, just to, to get on with people more, really. Yeah, I think we definitely need more patience, more kindness in the world. I was going to ask you, yeah. what would you do to make the world a better place, Robbie? Bloody hell. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just a musician. <laughs> well, you get all the world leaders in the middle and blow them up. No, <laughs> I love that answer. I, every single time I think that, I'm like, should I say that and get cancelled? <laughs> I just don't understand politics anymore. There just seems to be a job now. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. No one seems to do anything to help anybody. Yeah, you know, it's sad. It, it used to be that you would um, people would look after somebody, you know, if they wanted to have some sort of service. You know, like if you wanted to go and buy a car or buy a shirt. Now you have to, you know, you don't get anybody looking after you. In fact, yeah, it's just ridiculous. No, everyone's just out to make money, cutting jobs, you know, going when you phone somebody up as a computer. I mean, it's just, I hate all that. Yeah, I think everyone's become more selfish. Absolutely, I mean, it's all about, you know, me, me, me. You know, I don't like that. I think we should be looking after each other a lot, a lot more. Yeah, I think, honestly, COVID, very sadly to say, we saw the realness in people. I don't know if you remember, but here in America, we had a water and toilet paper shortage because everyone was just hogging it in the grocery stores. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was good and bad. I liked the, the first lockdown in England. One, because the weather was really nice. <laughs> secondly, all the nature came back. Yeah. Birds came back. I mean, you know, it was amazing. You know, but yeah, you had all the human beings running around being selfish, which is what we do, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier about a new album in the works. 
What else can you tell us about that? Yeah, we've written uh, about a dozen songs, and um, it's a sort of mixture of the kind of early, edgy modern English and our knowledge of songwriting now, which we never had when we were young. The After Snow album is the first album where we ever kind of wrote traditional song structures. So we're trying to put together an album that's got the kind of idea of the traditional, you know, structures of songs, but still having our early imaginative sort of sounds on it. So it's going to be a mixture, hopefully, of Mesh and Lace and After the Snow. I'm looking forward to when it comes out and then checking you guys live. Like I said, once you come to San Francisco the Chapel, definitely check out their cocktail drinks. I think they have pretty decent happy hour deals. Okay, I'll do that. Thanks very much for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then you could thank me later. <laughs> All right. Cheers. That was Robbie Gray of the post-punk new wave British group Modern English. Thank you so much, KCSS listeners, for sticking to the very end of our chat. I want to thank Robbie for him being such a down-to-earth person. I also want to thank the manager, Michelle, for coordinating this interview. Be sure to follow The Valley's True Alternative at KCSS919. Keep staying tuned to my podcast, Mod Rock Jam, as well as my other one, Woman in Media. Until next time, this has been your host, Chanel. Hasta la vista, warriors.